Chapter Six of Different Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Davis. Different Girls, Harper's Novelettes. The Perfect Year by Eleanor A. Hallowell. When Dolly Leonard died, on the night of my debutante party, our little community was aghast. If I live to be a thousand, I shall never outgrow the paralyzing shock of that disaster. I think that the girls of our younger set never fully recovered from it. It was six o'clock when we got the news. Things had been jolly and bustling all afternoon. The house was filled with florists and caterers, and I had gone to my room to escape the final responsibilities of the occasion. There were seven of us girl chums dressing in my room, and we were lolling round in various stages of lace and ruffles when the doorbell rang. Partly out of consideration for the tired servants, and partly out of nervous curiosity incited by the day's influx of presents and bouquets, I slipped into my pink eiderdown wrapper and ran down to the door. The hall was startlingly sweet with roses. Indeed, the whole house was a perfect bower of leaf and blossom, and I suppose I did look elfish as I ran, for a gruff old workman peered up at me and smiled, and muttered something about pinky posy, and I know it did not seem impertinent to me at the time. At the door, in the chill blast of the night, stood our little old grey postman with some letters in his hand. Oh, I said, disappointed, just letters. The postman looked at me a trifle queerly. I thought it was my pink wrapper. And he said, Don't worry about just letters. Dolly Leonard is dead. Dead, I gasped. Dead? And I remember how I reeled back against the open door and stared out with horror-stricken eyes across the common to Dolly Leonard's house, where every window was blazing with calamity. Dead, I gasped again. Dead. What happened? The postman eyed me with quizzical fatherliness. Ask your mother, he answered, reluctantly. And I turned and groped my way, leaden-footed, up the stairs, muttering, Oh, mother, mother, I don't need to ask you. When I got back to my room at last, through a torturous maze of gaping workmen and sickening flowers, three startled girls jumped up to catch me as I staggered across the threshold. I did not faint. I did not cry out. I just sat, huddled on the floor, rocking myself to and fro, and mumbling, as through a mouthful of sawdust, Dolly Leonard is dead. Dolly Leonard is dead. Dolly Leonard is dead. I will not attempt to describe too fully the scene that followed. There were seven of us, you know, and we were only eighteen, and no young person of our acquaintance had ever died before. Indeed, only one aged death had ever disturbed our personal life history, and even that remote catastrophe had sent us scampering to each other's beds a whole winter long for the individual fear of seeing things at night. 
dolly leonard is dead i can feel myself yet in that huddled news heap on the floor a girl at the mirror dropped her hand glass with a shivering crash someone on the sofa screamed the only one of us who was dressed began automatically to unfasten her lace collar and strip off her silken gown and i can hear yet the soft lush sound of a folded sash and the strident click of the little french stays that pressed too close on a heaving breast then someone threw wood on the fire with a great bang and then more wood and more wood and we crowded round the hearth and scorched our faces and hands but we could not get warm enough dolly leonard was not even in our set she was an older girl by several years but she was the belle of the village dolly leonard's gowns dolly leonard's parties dolly leonard's lovers were the envy of all womankind and dolly leonard's courtship and marriage were to us the fitting culmination of her wonderful career she was our ideal of everything that a girl should be she was good she was beautiful she was irresistibly fascinating she was in fact everything that we girlishly longed to be in the revel of a ballroom or the white sanctity of a church and now she the bright the joyous the warm was colder than we were and would never be warm again never again and there were garish flowers downstairs and music and favors and ices nasty shivery ices and pretty soon a brawling crowd of people would come and dance because i was eighteen and still alive into our hideous brooding broke a husky little voice that had not yet spoken dolly leonard told my big sister a month ago that she wasn't a bit frightened that she had had one perfect year and a perfect year was well worth dying for if one had to of course she hoped she wouldn't die but if she did it was a wonderful thing to die happy dolly was queer about it i heard my big sister telling mother dolly said life couldn't always be at high tide there was only one high tide in anyone's life and she thought it was beautiful to go in the full flush before the tide turned the speaker ended with a harsh sob then suddenly into our awed silence broke my mother in full evening dress she was a very handsome mother as she looked down on her huddled group there were tears in her eyes but there was no shock i noticed distinctly that there was no shock why girls she exclaimed with a certain terse brightness aren't you dressed yet it's eight o'clock and people are beginning to arrive she seemed so frivolous to me i remember that i felt a little ashamed of her we don't want any party i answered glumly the girls are going home nonsense said my mother catching me by the hand and pulling me almost roughly to my feet go quickly and call one of the maids to come and help you dress angeline i'll do your hair bertha where are your shoes gertrude that's a beautiful gown just your colour hurry into it 
there goes the bell hark the orchestra is beginning and so with a word here a touch there a searching look everywhere mother marshalled us into line i had never heard her voice raised before the colour came back to our cheeks the light to our eyes we bubbled over with spirits nervous spirits to be sure but none the less vivacious ones when the last hook was fastened the last glove buttoned the last curl fluffed into place mother stood for an instant tapping her foot on the floor she looked like a little general girls she said there are five hundred people coming tonight from all over the state and fully two-thirds of them never heard of dolly leonard we must never spoil other people's pleasures by flaunting our own personal griefs i expect my daughter to conduct herself this evening with perfect cheerfulness and grace she owes it to her guests and mother's chin went high up in the air i refuse to receive in my house again any one of you girls who mars my daughter's debutante party by tears or hysterics you may go now we went silently berating the brutal harshness of grown people we went airily flutteringly luminously like a bunch of butterflies at the head of the stairs the music caught us up in a maelstrom of excitement and whirled us down into the throng of pleasure and when we reached the drawing-room and found mother we felt as though we were walking on air we thought it was self-control we were not old enough to know that it was mostly youth my debutante party was the gayest party ever given in our town we seven girls were like sprites gone mad we were like fairy torches that kindled the whole throng we flitted among the palms like will-o'-the-wisps we danced the toes out of our satin slippers we led our old boy friends a wild chase of young love and laughter and because our hearts were like frozen lead within us we sought as it were to warm both hands at the fires of life we trifled with older men we flirted as it were with our fathers my debutante party turned out a revel i have often wondered if my mother was frightened i don't know what went on in the other girls brains but mine were seared with the old world recklessness eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die we die i had a lover a boy lover his name was gordon he was twenty-one years old and he had courted me with boyish seriousness for three years mother had always pooh-poohed his love story and said wait wait why my daughter isn't even out yet wait till she's out and gordon had narrowed his near-sighted eyes ominously and shut his lips tight very well he had answered i will wait till she is out but no longer he was rich he was handsome he was well-born he was strong but more than all that he held my fancy with a certain thrilling tenacity that frightened me while it lured me and i had always looked forward to my debutante party on my eighteenth birthday 
with the tingling realization half joy half fear that on that day i should have to settle once and forever with man i had often wondered how gordon would propose he was a proud high-strung boy if he was humble and pleaded and pleaded with the hurt look in his eyes that i knew so well i thought i would accept him and if we could get to mother in the crowd perhaps we could announce the engagement at supper-time it seemed to me that it would be a very wonderful thing to be engaged on one's eighteenth birthday so many girls were not engaged till nineteen or even twenty but if he was masterful and high-stepping as he knew so well how to be i had decided to refuse him scornfully with a toss of my head and a laugh i could break his heart with the sort of laugh i had practised before my mirror it is a terrible thing to have a long-anticipated event finally overtake you it is the most terrible thing of all to have to settle once and forever with man gordon came for me at eleven o'clock i was flirting airily at the time with our village beau brummel who was old enough to be my grandfather gordon slipped my little hand through his arm and carried me off to a lonely place in the conservatory for a second it seemed a beautiful relief to be out of the noise and the glare and alone with gordon but instantly my realization of the potential moment rushed over me like a flood and i began to tremble violently all the nervous strain of the evening reacted suddenly on me what's the matter with you tonight asked gordon a little sternly what makes you so wild he persisted with a grim little attempt at a laugh at his words my heart seemed to turn over within me and settle heavily it was before the days when we discussed life's tragedies with our best men friends indeed it was so long before that i sickened and grew faint at the very thought of the sorrowful knowledge which i kept secret from him again he repeated what's the matter with you but i could find no answer i just sat shivering with my lace scarf drawn close across my bare shoulders gordon took hold of a white ruffle on my gown and began to fidget with it i could see the fine thoughts go flitting through his eyes but when he spoke again it was quite commonplacely will you do me a favor he asked will you do me the favor of marrying me and he laughed good god he laughed a favor to marry him and he asked it as he might have asked for a posy or a dance so flippantly with a laugh a favor and dolly leonard lay dead of her favor i jumped to my feet i was half mad with fear and sex and sorrow and excitement something in my brain snapped and i struck gordon struck him across the face with my open hand and he turned as white as the dead dolly leonard and went away oh very far away 
then i ran back alone to the hall and stumbled into my father's arms are you having a good time asked my father pointing playfully at my blazing cheeks i went to my answer like an arrow to its mark i am having the most wonderful time in the world i cried i have settled with man my father put back his head and shouted he thought it was a fine joke he laughed about it long after my party was over he thought my head was turned he laughed about it long after other people had stopped wondering why gordon went away i never told anyone why gordon went away i might under certain circumstances have told a girl but it was not the sort of thing one could have told one's mother this is the first time i have ever told the story of dolly leonard's death and my debutante party dolly leonard left a little son behind her a joyous rollicking little son his name is paul yardley we girls were pleased with the initials p y they stand to us for perfect year dolly leonard's husband has married again and his wife has borne him safely three daughters and a son each one of my six girl chums is the mother of a family now and again in my experience some woman has shirked a duty but i have never yet met a woman who has dared to shirk a happiness duties repeat themselves there is no duplicate of happiness i am fifty-eight years old i have never married i do not say whether i am glad or sorry i only know that i have never had a perfect year i only know that i have never been warm since the night that dolly leonard died end of the perfect year by eleanor a hallowell recording by eva davis